King Jesus, it is good uh, that we are here today uh, in your sanctuary. I pray, Lord, that you would reach out, that you would heal us, and that you would hear our praises. Lord, it's in your name and for your glory we pray these things. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So for uh, the kids who are among us this morning, my, my drawing prompt to you, my encouragement to you today is to look at that gospel reading that we just read right here, and there's two halves of it. There's the first half where Jesus is cleansing the temple, where he flips over tables and things like that, and then there's the second half when people are coming up to him for healing and children are, are singing his praises. I would love for you to draw that second half, that part where Jesus is, is healing people and um, Uh, receiving the praises of the children. Uh, After the service, please do bring your uh, drawings either to myself or you can put them at the welcome table, and we'd love to share those with the rest of the church. So we are uh, right now in a sermon series where we are preparing our hearts for receiving this or for moving our worship location. Uh, As you may have heard, we have purchased a building for a dollar. It's currently being prepared uh, this summer, and we're nearing the completion date. And so this is our second to last Sunday in our beloved community center. We've loved being here. I see you all smiling right now. Like, we've loved this space. We're super grateful for it, but we're also really excited to be uh, in a more long-term home. And so we're using this season to prepare our hearts We're looking at the Bible passages that are reserved for a building consecration service. And so every Sunday, we're taking one of those Bible passages from the building consecration, and we're taking a closer look at it. So that building consecration service is going to be Saturday, October 30th at 4 o'clock. Please do RSVP on our website because seating is limited for that. Uh, But that is when we will consecrate and dedicate this beautiful, beautiful space that the Lord has provided for us. So these Bible passages that we've been looking at are scriptures in which the Lord or a prophet or in today's case, Jesus is interacting with his people and the space that he has given them. And today is a rather difficult passage because in this passage, this is when Jesus gets super angry. He comes into his temple and he gets really mad. Jesus enters one of the most holiest places in Jewish culture, that is the temple, and what he finds there enrages him. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 21 when Jesus cleanses the temple. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to open there. You can go to your, um, to your bulletin as well, and please do follow along with me. I'm going to be looking at this in those two halves that I talked about when we were talking about the children's drawing prompt. So I have to admit, as, as a liturgical preacher, it feels really weird looking at this passage today uh, because it, I almost feel like we're breaking rules in some sort of sense because this is a passage that, we're, that we normally read on Palm Sunday, uh, seven days before Easter, and this is a super important passage. Uh, this takes place during the great Passover feast uh, of the Jewish people. Jerusalem at this point in time has swollen in size with all the pilgrims from all over the world who have come to worship the Lord for the Feast of Passover. Immediately before this, uh, if you have your Bibles there, you'll probably see the verses right before this is when Jesus enters into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And it feels like the entire world erupts with praise for Jesus. The atmosphere is electric with anticipation and wonder at what in the world the Lord is going to do. The religious leaders are terrified. 
They think that Jesus is about to lead a revolt. They're all on edge. But everyone else, they, who are also hoping uh, that Jesus will overflow the Romans, they are excited that Jesus might be entering in this new messianic age for the Jewish people. Now, indeed, big things do happen, but it's not what the people expect. These events, what we're seeing today, Jesus cleansing the temple and him coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, these are events that set in motion the events of Holy Week, that is, the events of his betrayal, his condemnation, and his eventual execution. So this passage might seem out of place in terms of the church calendar, uh, but it's absolutely appropriate, I think, for us as we consider what it means to be uh, people entering into a sacred space. Because this isn't just the story of a Jewish carpenter riding into town. No, this is the story of God Almighty walking into his holy temple. And so this story in our context forces us to ask certain questions What would happen if God walked into our building? Would he flip over temples? Would he call us a bunch of robbers? Would he look me in the eyes and have some really harsh words to say to me as pastor of this space? So these are questions that this story forces us to ask. So if you're a visitor here with us, either uh, in person or joining us through the live stream, don't tune out. Don't think, oh, this is just an insider story, you know, for the, the folks at Restoration who for sure commit and, and call, them, call that their home. Uh, this isn't anything relevant for me. Because right now, you're in a season of discernment as well. Right now, you're looking for a church community, wondering perhaps maybe if even this church could be your home. And so I think this passage is helpful for you as you not only make judgments about this community, but other communities that you might be looking at. But may this passage be an aid for you in your discernment. Because what we see here very clearly is God's values for a place of worship, wherever that might be. So let's look at this passage a little more carefully. So first, the temple chastisement that Jesus brings Now, it's easy for us to look at this story and look at Jesus flipping over the tables of the money changers and uh, casting out the people who are selling pigeons. It's easy for us to look at those activities as inherently bad things when that's actually not the case. Money changers were actually really good and necessary for worship. Uh, Like I said, pilgrims were coming from all over the world, and with them, they brought this money with them that had Uh, like pagan gods sort of stamped on it. And these coins were unacceptable to the Jewish leaders. You couldn't bring your pagan money as a sacrifice in the Jewish temple. And so you needed to have your money changed. You needed uh, to exchange it for temple coins that would be acceptable to the temple authorities. And so it was highly convenient to be able to exchange money right there on the spot. We could say something very similar about the pigeons, Like I said, pilgrims are coming from all over the world, and to expect them to bring with them along for that that long journey, to bring with them animals, would be completely unrealistic. And even if they did go about the the BYO animal approach, chances are by the time your uh, BYO animal got there, it would be flawed in some sort of way. It would have gotten its foot stuck somewhere, it would have gotten scuffed up, and it would have been disqualified for um, being offered up in the sanctuary as a sacrifice. And so it was highly convenient to buy an animal right there on the spot. 
So then what's the big deal? Why was Jesus so mad when he saw these things? Well, it wasn't necessarily those convenient services. It was that those convenient services had been brought into the place of worship itself. It was brought into the place where people were supposed to be praying and, and, and petitioning the Lord, offering up their praises. For many, many years, the money changers and the animal sellers, they had places for this, but it was outside the temple. And so now the problem is that it had been brought into the place of worship. So imagine if like right here along the side, uh, we had invited Wells Fargo and Chase Bank and Bremer and whoever you might bank with. Like what if we didn't just only set up like ATMs, but we actually had like teller stations set up there. And so during the offering, I could say, all right, everyone, there, go make your withdrawals, right? Like, that'd be super convenient. Some of you would like that. Some of you would probably be like, holy cow, that would be the most obnoxious, obtrusive thing I've ever seen on the planet, you know? Well, that's essentially what was happening in Jesus' day. Now, it gets a little more complicated in that the temple was split into two sections. You had the inner courts of worship and the outer courts of worship. The inner courts of worship were for the Jews, and they had the privilege of being able to go into the inner courts of worship. But if you weren't Jewish, like a majority of us here today, us Gentiles, then we only would have been allowed to go into those outer courts of worship. And the outer courts are precisely where all of these merchants had been set up. And so do you see what's happening here? For the sake of convenience, the Gentiles were being displaced. The Gentiles were being robbed of their place in worship. And so Jesus flips over the temple, or flips over the, the tables. He drives out the merchants. And he says, my house shall be a house of prayer. Now, if we were to read this in Mark's story, Mark, he's writing his gospel to, uh, uh, to Gentile believers in Rome. And so to kind of help explain this story, what Mark does is he adds in the phrase, my house should be a house of prayer for all nations. Uh, the emphasis is that this is a space, this is a worship space for non-Jewish believers. This is a space that's been consecrated for people from all over the world to bring their burdens before God, to praise his holy name, to seek his wisdom and his guidance. But the Gentiles are being excluded from worship. Rather than creating space for all nations, they were being pushed out. So you see, when a church exists, for the comfort of the insiders, at the exclusion of service to outsiders, then she becomes a hideout for thieves. I'll say that again. When the church becomes, or when the church exists for the comfort of insiders, at the exclusion of service to outsiders, then she becomes a hideout for thieves. Several years ago, I was meeting with a man whose, whose name is John Mayer. Uh, he's a sociologist who lives here, not the singer. Uh, <laughs> I saw some of you snickering at that. Uh, John Mayer, he's actually a Christian sociologist who lives here in the Twin Cities. He does these like Twin Cities bus tours of South Minneapolis. Have any of you ever been on one of those? Yeah, several of you, yeah. He's a cool guy. So I sat down with him uh, several years ago kind of sharing my heart for a building and he said, Rick, you need to be careful. He said, for a young church to get a building, it's like a death sentence. That was pretty scary to hear. And I was talking to my own uh, coach, uh, church planning coach, who I call Uncle Jim, and he said the same thing. And then as I've become friends with some other pastors in the area, they've said the same thing. They said, watch out 
when you get a building. Because what the church leaders are saying, I think, is something similar to what Jesus is saying in this, pa- in this passage today. When we move into that place, into that building, we are going to be tempted to put comfort over mission. That is going to be a realistic temptation for all of us. Now, yes, we value beauty, and I am so excited to empower so many of you who are artists and are builders and are designers to adorn this place with beautiful things that reflect the glory and the beauty of God's majesty. But if our vision shifts from how do we bless the cities to how can I be more comfortable here, well, then we're in big trouble. We are in big, big trouble. May we never spend a dollar without mission and outreach in mind. May we continue to be hospitable to the outsider. And may we encourage all nations to come into the presence of the Lord to encounter God. May our building never be a hideout, never be a place for robbers, but instead may it be a house of prayer. So the good news today is that not only does Jesus chastise the temple, but he also cures the temple. In verse 14, the blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple and he heals them. Do you see what it means to be a house of prayer? That's what this passage is now showing us. We see prayer in action. We see prayer being offered up and immediately answered. The blind, the lame, the broken, those who've been pushed to the margins, those who've been displaced, those who've been ignored, now the prophet has cleared a way for them to come and encounter God. They come face to face with the living God and he heals them. So what burden do you bring today? What's plaguing you? What's impeding your vision? What's causing you to walk with a limp? Because in God's house, Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to come and minister to you. It's one of the reasons why we have prayer ministry every single Sunday during communion, is so that that which burdens you can be lifted up to the Lord with others. Now, the institution is enraged by this. The senior pastors, the Bible teachers, they see what's happening and they're infuriated by this. They're beautiful, they're comfortable, their orderly world is now being turned upside down. And then in verse 16, the senior pastors come to Jesus and they say, do you hear what the children are saying? They're actually singing out, they're saying, Hosanna, save us, son of David, praise your name. And what does Jesus say? Does he say, oh yeah, we got to get these kids out of here. Oh, man, they're, they're, they're smelly and they're, they're loud. Does he say, uh, we've got to do something about all these kids? No, of course not. Amen. There we go. Thank you, Sophia. <laughs> no, Jesus says, yes, I hear this. And he says, I love this. He says, I have been waiting for this moment. He says, this moment has been prophesied long, long ago. And then he reminds the Bible teachers what the Bible says. He says, out of the mouth of children, you have prepared praises. Reminds me of another passage from the Psalms. It says, the Lord sits enthroned upon the praises of his people. So children who are here, Jesus loves your presence. And I know kids that these last year, this last year and a half or whatever has been pretty hard because we haven't had children's ministry. You haven't been able to go and sit with your peers and, and get to listen to, uh, to the Bible teachers uh, on Sunday mornings. It's been a really tough um, season for us. But I've really enjoyed having kids in our sanctuary. I love hearing your voices sing out in the service. 
Several of you this season have been participating by carrying the cross for us in the service. And do you know what that means? Where's Tegan? Oh, hey, Tegan, what's up? So during the service, when you carry in the cross, it's like a form of prayer. It's like we're saying, King Jesus, please come into this place. We follow you, Lord Jesus. And some of you also have been reading scripture. Uh, and again, like you all do that so well. I've loved looking at your pictures in the back from the service. We've all been blessed by those. I love chatting with you after the service and hearing about how your week has gone and hearing what you're excited about, you know, what sort of birthday parties are coming up and things like that. May the church of God always welcome the voices of young, new believers. Amen? Jesus cleanses the temple, but he also cures the temple. So this passage has for us warnings. It says, God will always judge churches that try to box the Spirit of God into a way that is, or into what is safe, into what is comfortable. God will judge churches like that. God will judge pastors who don't lead the praise with heartfelt worship. God will judge leaders who do not expect broken lives to be healed by God's mighty power. God will judge teachers who who do not rejoice when new voices come and worship Jesus. So may we be a house of prayer. May we be a house of healing where the broken can come and be bound up. And may we be a house where new voices are welcomed and encouraged and celebrated. Amen? Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you would dwell among us Lord, we are tired and weary from all the events of this last year and a half plus. Lord, we ask that you would would heal us from this. May our church never be a hideout for those who are comfortable. May we never be um, a den of robbers, Lord. But instead, may we be a house of prayer for all nations where the wounded are healed and where new voices sing your praises. We ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.